Hey, Josue here with a content warning. This episode mentions sexual situations that may be uncomfortable for some listeners, including sexual assault and rape, as well as sexual themes including kink and BDSM, and general mentions of body horror. Please take a moment to consider if any of these topics are uncomfortable for you at this time, and if so, skip the episode or save it for later. November 2nd is Extra Life Game Day. Join Geek Therapy and thousands of gamers fundraising for Children's Miracle Network hospitals across North America for 24 hours. To learn more, visit geektherapy.com slash extra life. Welcome to GT Radio and the Geek Therapy Network. We are a show about learning to understand each other and ourselves through the media we care about. I'm your host, Dr. Brandon Saxton, Dr. Baby Brandon Saxton, either way. And I'm joined, as always, by Lauren Keller. Yo. And Laura Taylor. Hey. How are you doing today, everyone? Pretty good. How about you? Yeah, good, good. How are you doing, Brandon? I'm good. I'm ready. I'm ready to to fly this geek therapy ship without our usual captain, Josue. He must really trust us. (laughs) He does. He does. We're ready to to fly, fly this, uh, fly this, sail this ship. I don't know if this is a flying ship or a sailing ship or a spaceship, but either way, we're gonna we're gonna make it happen. So, uh, the topic of the week. Let's just dive right in, right? So there was recently a discussion, a post, uh, a little conversation in the Geek Therapy Community page Facebook group, which I encourage everyone to join and participate and be active in. Uh, if you haven't yet, and um, and and it, it's really kind of interesting, right? So this is kind of goes back to uh, to D and D type topics, which is something, of course, that I'm a fan of talking about. And it was really an, uh, a Facebook post about an article where there was a DM situation, a game basically at the UK Games Expo, um, where there was a situation where a player was in a game that involved some sexual assault uh, in the game. And this player had a background with sexual assault and apparently, you know, had indicated it was the most uncomfortable kind of gaming situation they'd ever been a part of. Uh, The DM allegedly kind of just enjoyed this sort of shock factor um, related to including content like this in a game. And it kind of brought about this situation where my understanding was that this player or DM rather was banned from this expo. And my understanding of the situation is they're basically banned from all those kind of expos in the UK at that point. And then it led into this discussion and kind of conversation about collecting or talking about consent before engaging in like D&D or role-playing games, maybe more broadly, just kind of tabletop role-playing games. And so that's kind of what we're going to talk about today is just this idea of behind really consent in gaming. What does it mean? Um, what might be, you know, I, I've read some comments and, and thoughts about it, and some people are opposed to it. Some people are fans of it, think it's a good thing. And so I'm th- just going to open it up and kind of see see where our, our minds are at, because I think it's something that at least for me, I don't think I've probably have thought a lot about. Um, but after kind of reflecting on it and certainly reading about this situation and others people's thoughts about it, I have some thoughts. So I'm curious. I want to open it up to the two of you. What are kind of your your gut reactions to maybe just this topic or the idea of consent in tabletop gaming? I think that usually when you're playing a tabletop game, when I think of playing tabletop games, I think of like 
with my friends who know me really well. And I think that's something to bring out in this conversation that this happened at a convention with people that this player didn't necessarily know and didn't know well enough to be able to express maybe what was going on or when you're with your friends, even if someone doesn't know that they've been sexually assaulted and don't want to talk about it, they have this unspoken communication and, w- and way of dealing with things. And I think that games are supposed to be fun. Mm-hmm. And if and if you're not having fun, then there's a problem. And the DM's job is to make sure that everybody at the table is having fun. Uh, so maybe thinking about topics such as, I think this was what, gang rape is what was Yeah, the, specifically yeah. that's what it was. Apparently... My understanding was this was something that happened to the player characters very early on in the, like, right away Mm. in the campaign. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, here's the introduction to your character. Like, welcome to the story. Welcome (sighs) to your trauma. Welcome to your Boy, boy. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like there's a place for some topics like this, and we can get into later, like, therapeutic uses of things, not necessarily enactments or descriptions maybe of like detailed descriptions of gang rape or whatever, but like the topics being there are important in certain situations. But, you know, like I said, if, if we are playing a game, it should be fun. And that doesn't sound like this person had any fun (laughs) (laughs) at all. Nope. Yeah. I mean, I think there's definitely a couple of layers here. There's, there's one of just like, you know, when you're playing with people you don't know, you should be, you know, more considerate of, you know, you don't know that person. You don't know what their life is like and you don't know what, what kind of stuff might be really upsetting to them. There's also the side of like, hmm, maybe you need to consider why you think that a gang rape is a totally fun, exciting way to kick off a story. Like, maybe you should mm-hmm. ponder that one a little while. Um but framework coming into this conversation is that um, uh, I I have always um, sort of considered there to be quite a lot of overlap in D and D and and tabletop role playing and uh, the kink community. Um, so that's sort of where my background to this conversation is going to be coming from. And so I feel that consent is just as important in a D&D role-playing setting as it is in a kink setting. But um, I don't know that culturally we're, we're uh, quite there yet, but I do mm-hmm. think that the um, the worksheet that was posted mm-hmm. uh, is a really, really great way to start having that kind of conversation and using that kind of consent-based framework. Um, I uh, you see that kind of thing in kink where you'll have like starter worksheets talking about your your boundaries and um potential triggers and such it's uh yeah i think i think it's a really interesting topic and i'm excited to delve into it with you guys it's it is really interesting so i guess another question that i have not to always just be launching into questions but I've played Dungeons and Dragons with the two of you before, and and I was the DM for that episode that we recorded, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, It's interesting, I guess, 
Did either, and maybe this is a silly question, or maybe it sounds obvious, did either of you have any concerns that the game was going to delve into anything that would make you uncomfortable uh, or or nervous or, or, you know, anything that would maybe strike a personal boundary or a personal line for you that wasn't something that you wanted to touch on? And again, I, this is maybe a silly example because, I mean, we were recording it, um, so it probably wasn't going to get into anything too unusual but was there any kind of apprehension for you because uh, we didn't fill out a form like this or didn't discuss any consent or topics we sort of just said hey we're playing a game now what are your characters names okay adventures starting now <laughs> so i i'm curious kind of maybe with that experience uh was there anything like that for you yeah, so I think um, in in that case, we are all already pretty familiar with each other, mm-hmm. and we've already spent a lot of time, um, you know, talking about sensitive subjects and sort of, uh, you know, addressing our own boundaries within those those sensitive subjects. Um, so I I already had a lot of trust in you as a mm-hmm. as a DM, even though you hadn't DM'd for me before. Um, but also on top of that, we were playing an introductory right. level pre-made campaign, and I uh, expect you know uh, what Wizards of the Coast mm, to true. you know to be better than <laughs> to to be all like, hey, we're gonna start with a super fun sexual assault story. That's you guys like that, right? Classic <laughs> adventure. Yeah, classic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, so I think I think. With that context in place, um, I didn't. I, I wasn't concerned about it. Yeah, and I, I'm I'm in the same lines as Lauren. Like we knew each other going into this, and like I mentioned before, like when I think of playing RPGs, it's usually with friends or friends of friends, people that I know are going to be cool, chill people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm not expecting my DM in a situation like that, who is usually someone I know to throw something right. that could be hurtful to me. Um, and obviously, Brandon, we haven't known each other as long as I might have known some of my other DMs, but like, I think you know pretty well, I, I'm pretty open on this show about like, what is, what my issues are and, and mm-hmm. things that might bring th- stuff up for me. But even then, like, you might not know everything. Right. It's it's true, but I think it would be coming from a place, uh, a different kind of place than it would be. Like, I would feel comfortable saying like, oh, hey, I'm not okay with that. Rather than being in a group of new people and like, mm-hmm. what the hell is going on? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's a, a great point to tie back into into kink and consent in that way is, is uh between the players and the the game master dungeon master is a similar sort of uh relationship and power dynamic between those those two and so um you know being able to trust that your dm or your dom uh will one respect your boundaries and two, no, having the players know or the you know, uh, subs know that they um, are, you know, they need to communicate their their boundaries 
Um, and so it's this, even though there is a p- power dynamic in play, how you should be framing that should be based on, on equality, where both both parties um, trust and communicate to each other and are open and honest with each other because you want your players to trust that the DM will respect boundaries and you want, and the DM wants to trust the players that they will communicate those boundaries so they can be avoided. That's such a good point. And I, it, it's really interesting. This has actually been a little bit on my radar lately. lately. Um, not surprisingly, I, I think about Dungeons and Dragons a lot and, and some of the social dynamics and, and just, you know, a lot of that goes into it. I think it's such a neat hobby. Again, not surprisingly. Um, do either of you listen to or watch uh, Critical Role at all? I have not. Okay, I've, it's been something that's on my radar. Sure, to get yeah. into, but it's I, I've, I've not. heard it. I've heard of it, and I've heard like little, you know, bits and pieces sure. that I've seen on YouTube and stuff. But I've I've never like sat down and watched a whole episode. It's a or commitment, anything. right? They're like three yeah. or four hours long. Yeah, yeah. There's, 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 <laughs> a are, there's a lot. I wish I yeah. could keep up with it, but I I just like if that was the only content I consumed, I could maybe do it. But very recently, there was a a Twitter thread that went around that I caught a little bit of. And so I don't have the full context of the episode because uh, like I said, I I haven't been able to keep up with it, but apparently there was something pretty significant and maybe, you know, potentially traumatic. I'm not totally sure that was happening to the character of one of the players and a viewer who was watching kind of keenly caught this moment between Matt Mercer, who's the DM and the player who I think her name is Ashley Johnson, but I'd not, I might be missing her name. Um, And basically Matt looks at her really subtly and kind of gives her this sort of wink um, that if you saw it, I think it maybe it, it sounds a little weird how I'm describing it, but if you saw it, it was sort of like, you know, are you okay? Is this okay? Are you feeling all right with this? And she kind of, kind of it catches her attention. And she looked back at him and kind of gave this sort of like, yep, like we're good, sort of half smile and nod. And then he sort of nodded at her and continued. And it was this very subtle interaction that the viewer just kind of picked up and clipped into a GIF that I'm not sure any of the other players probably picked up on. And as far as I read, even some of the people who followed up with the thread, the tweet thread said, yeah, I, I didn't see that. I totally missed that. And it really got me thinking about the relationship between not only players, but also the DM and the players and just how much intimacy and vulnerability and trust there really is especially in games where you know you're really invested in the character but even in a situation where you're playing with strangers i've only played DD with a group of strangers just a couple times and in some ways for me it's a lot more anxiety provoking because it's you know there's not that level of familiarity and trust there so it really works in two ways where at least if you're with a group that you know and trust and have played with before you might feel a little more comfortable you're also in some ways more vulnerable um, to being hurt if there are boundaries that are crossed. So it's just such a a complicated sort of complex dynamic that I think in a lot of ways really transcends just playing a game and really taps into a pretty meaningful relationship, I think, that I think is really special that isn't present in a lot of other hobbies and is another one of the reasons why I'm just such a fan uh, of, of you know, tabletop role-playing games. So it's kind of been on my mind lately is this, this relationship and this dynamic. 
Yeah, I really i I like that the the kind of exchange on cr- the episode of Critical Role was like subtle and wasn't necessarily directly brought attention to her mm-hmm. from everyone else at the table. Um, I like that uh, some people talk about like we in the article we were looking at in the post in the Facebook group there was a a checklist. Mm-hmm. Um, other people commented that they've used. Um, the X card uh, system where you can, there's a a piece of paper with an X on it and someone at the table can point at the X and like that topic is not okay. They're not okay with that situation. And that brings a lot of attention onto the person. Oh, big time. And sometimes if you're in a group of friends, that might be okay, but in a group of strangers that might not be okay. And so I like this idea of a checklist that you can mark off what's okay, what, could be okay with some more discussion and what's really not okay. Um, and then it could be anonymous because it says on the, on that checklist that the, the name is optional and the DM beforehand is able to then like craft a story that doesn't have all those sensitive things that are going to be a problem. So I, I kind of liked that aspect of of the checklist and that covers more that way you're not dealing with things as they come up necessarily uh and the dm's gone into this whole arc of uh like some kind of traumatic event that's going to happen and then in the middle of this great storytelling someone points at the x and you're like well shit now what am i gonna do (laughs) yeah it it puts a lot of pressure on someone to stop the game basically say i'm not comfortable we need to step back and change that and i think that's appropriate and someone should yeah have every right to say that whenever they're they you know they get to that point but i think that would be hard for a lot of people to do that that puts a lot of pressure on them so i totally agree with you I, i like the idea of something like you know you know, if there's a situation where maybe there's that trust that's already in place and, you know, I've, I've kind of been sort of thinking about this, like even playing, you know, D and D with, with the two of you and Josue and my past, you know, I've DM'd one shots for lots of different groups and I DM'd a whole campaign for, you know, nearly two years probably. And I never, I've never asked for, you know, consent or topics that are across the line. Um, I've never really, you know, delved into anything that, yeah, I would feel like I should ask about that. The only thing, you know, looking at the checklist was um, harm to children. That came up, comes mm-hmm. up in the Curse of Strahd campaign. There are yeah. uh, a couple of, well, it's spoilers, but ghost children who you don't know are ghosts uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. when you first interact with them. Um, so there's something like that. But it got me thinking about that. Is that something that I should have done? And I maybe I did some, you know, uh, a disservice by not doing that. Or was it okay because, I, you know, I was not delving into anything weird, but that's a little presumptuous of me to just assume mm. that. So yeah, it's a really complicated sort of issue. And I, I like the idea of it though. And even like you're saying, the with the subtlety and the anonymity, I think it's really cool. On the checklist that you sort of referenced, what's neat about that is even right at the top, it has a spot where it says player name or it says, or leave blank. And I yeah. I like that a lot because you know it's it's not easy uh, for people to be open and vulnerable about the things that are hard for them to talk about or past experiences that are hard for them um, to process or relive. Um, mm-hmm. So being able to have a space to do that without having to have that, um, you know, that privacy, uh, you know, taken away from you, if that's something where you kind of where you're at, that, I think that's important. 
Yeah, I'm. <laughs> I'm gonna tie this back into kink again because mm. can't help myself. No, please. Um, it. Th- I think that this is is another great example of the the overlap between uh, tabletop and, and kink is that um, using a worksheet like this beforehand, where you're checking in with all of your players to see, like you know, um, what the the sheet uses. Um, like a red, yellow, green thing. Yeah. That's pretty common in kink also to utilize that sort of um, absolutely not. And then they would be red and then yellow would be like a maybe or um, yes, but less or, or something like that. Um, and then green is, you know, thumbs up. We're doing great. Don't stop. Um, in kink, there is uh there's this term called subspace, and that is when um, a, a submissive person gets into, you know, uh, BDSM role play or, or power play or, or what have you. But they get into the place where um, they are they are fully immersed in their submissiveness. And at that point, um, sort of like we're talking about in D&D is like it's not really fair to expect um, a player to point to the X on the table and out themselves as being uncomfortable. Right. Um, with a lot of subs, the the it, the situation is the, the dom needs to be aware of the sub's boundaries beforehand because the sub in subspace may not be able to enforce those boundaries. In, in the moment. And so I think, um, you know, like in kink, you you do work beforehand, you plan out the scene, you hash out all boundaries, you you make sure like, okay, we're not going to do any of this kind of stuff, we're definitely going to do this kind of stuff. And I think that's really, really useful in D&D too. Um, and having that kind of conversation beforehand, um, or, or um, like Brandon, you've, you've done, maybe not in the same sort of terminology, but you have practice this sort of behavior by doing uh, like a um, an episode zero situation mm-hmm. where you outline like the basics of the world and sort of your general idea of what you know the main conflict is going to be um, and planning out your characters and sort of learning about them and that gives you the information to make you know you know make decisions that support your players right mm-hmm. And it's the it's the same sort of thing. It's like doing that um, sort of negotiation beforehand really empowers both the players and the dungeon master to have a better play experience when you do get to that. Um, and and like we're saying with the having something in place that even you know you can't assume that people will utilize the X card. Um, because mm-hmm. that itself might make them uncomfortable, but having the X card itself can be really mm-hmm. beneficial. Well, it's sure. like you may not, you don't want to necessarily assume that it's like, I've got an X card, so I never have to worry about asking for consent again. It's like, no, no, no. How about this? You have the X card in addition to other things in place. Um, and so that is a lot like kink because you're all you're constantly negotiating consent consent isn't a a yes or no statement and then it's it's settled you don't say you know do you want to play D and then that person must play D with right. you until you have defeated the no it's it's ongoing it's it's <laughs> yeah. a it's an, a continuing negotiation of consent and um in that that video the critical role video that's a great example of mm-hmm. that it, it didn't require stopping the game it was a check-in and that sort mm-hmm. of thing happens in, in kink where you you know you do the the red yellow green to check in with you know whoever you're playing with um 
that sort of thing. You make sure, you know, if you're doing bondage, you make sure people's ties are comfortable. You're always checking in. You're, you're checking to make sure um, nobody's losing sensation anywhere. You want to be, you know, very aware of all these aspects. And, and that comes up in, in role play in D&D too, even if the intention is just a good old time and you're not doing like trauma work or anything mm-hmm. it's like it is so beneficial to your your dm and your players to have these kinds of conversations before during after um just have that be the norm makes everybody feel more comfortable and safer mm-hmm. i agree i like that i and i think you're spot on that was i was right where my mind went to as well was with the example from Critical Role, and I, I hope I can find that that thread or that gif again. If anyone did see it, feel free to tweet in my direction. Um, I might try to save that just because it really was a meaningful moment for me. I after I saw it, I really I sat and thought about that for quite a while. Just how what a what a powerful connection that was, and and that's what that was, right? Because presumably those players and that DM have that background and that relationship and that trust and that vulnerability. But that went with for Matt Mercer, the DM. That went, you know, that he he knew he couldn't just assume that that was okay. He yeah. knew he had to, you know, I got to check in. Is everything okay? It, you know, he was subtle. He didn't, you know, uh, out her if she was feeling uncomfortable or was feeling distressed. Uh, you know, it was it was private and it was meaningful and it was intentional. And there's just a lot of really cool stuff about that. And I think that's such a powerful part of what I, again, what I think is so cool about Dungeons and Dragons or tabletop role-playing games and why it is kind of where I think you can develop such deep kind of meaningful relationships and connections with the characters, with the character you're playing, as well as the other characters and other players. I I think that's really cool. Yeah. um, I want to get back to something you said earlier, Brandon, about your worries about did mm-hmm. I go too far or whatever when having something like harm to children or something right. in, in Curse of Strahd. And I think it has something to do with the the general tone of a show, too, that mm-hmm. makes a topic or a general tone of a game that will make um, make or break that kind of whatever the, the topic that's difficult. Um, so in D20 Dames that podcast they are constantly dealing with children and saving children that are in danger mm-hmm. all the time but the show itself is so lighthearted and fun that you don't really ever think that the children are like actually going to be hurt in harms like oh, okay. they're going to save them all the time you know it i mean until it doesn't <laughs> happen i'm watch next season it's not going to happen <laughs> oh, um, no. but thinking about i haven't played curse of strahd but i've heard from a lot of people that it's very intense (laughs) right so that's a very different game and it depends on like you can touch on topics that are more sensitive if it's a little more lighthearted. but sometimes it's still a hard stop for some people Mm -hmm, for sure yeah it's that time of year again, Extra Life is upon us, and game day is November 2nd. Join the official geek therapy team called Rare Candy in fundraising for Children's Miracle Network hospitals across North America. Extra Life is a 24-hour gaming marathon, so we'll be playing for 24 hours a bunch of games. Our stream team will be on it, maybe some members of the community. Who knows? If you want to join us, visit geektherapy.com slash extralife to either join our team and raise funds yourself, or donate to one of our team members. 
I'm on the team. Donate to my profile. November 2nd is also my birthday. And all I want for my birthday is donations to the Extra Life campaign. Seriously. Geek Therapy raised over $5,000 last year. And of course, we want to beat that this year. So again, visit geektherapy.com slash extra life to learn more, join the team, or donate. All proceeds go to Children's Miracle Network Hospitals, so your money is going to help take care of sick kids in need. Again, visit geektherapy.com slash extra life to learn more. It's interesting. I'm I'm just peeking at the, the RPG consent checklist a little bit, and I'm just kind of puzzling over. there. Are, so there are some different categories, right? There are horror, relationships, social and cultural issues, mental and physical health, and then additional topics, which is just a blank section where you could write in anything. And what's kind of cool is all of the sections actually have a couple of lines to write in additional topics. And some of them are, you know, it's it's interesting. I'm really curious. I wish I knew, and maybe I just didn't look hard enough to see who actually developed this. I'd be really curious behind the rationale behind some, but I'm, I don't know if I'm totally understanding it. So I have a couple of kind of coexisting thoughts going on in my mind right now. One is under horror, their eyeballs are listed. And that I thought that was kind of interesting. No beholders. No beholders, <laughs> right. Or, and this is just sort of a silly side comment. For me, the alternative was actually maybe a little bit more gruesome if there was no eyeballs in the campaign <laughs> every every being was missing their I, eyeballs i i suspect that is less about like beholders and more about like damage yeah. done to yeah, eyes right. like i don't yeah. want i don't want to fail a, a dagger flip roll yeah. and an outcome is eye. i stab myself in the eye right. yeah more body horror kind of stuff. or yeah, i don't I th- want I any more descriptions that. of like eyes getting gouged damaged. out yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that kind of stuff i think probably that's what that's angled towards but now that you've said no eyes at all i'm with i'm thinking of that um that futurama goof <laughs> where they go to all the multiverses uh-huh. <laughs> and they go to one and they're all like did you see them pass by and the characters turn around and they don't have eyes and they're like we didn't see anything that's what it is um, yeah. so that's, mm-hmm. that's a fun one. and even <laughs> I, I shouldn't make light. I shouldn't minimize this because if they're on there, someone is included for a reason. But even like bugs is on, on there. And like it would have to be pretty graphic for me to think about how bugs could be cross that line. But for someone, it, it's at that point. And so I think it's really it's interesting to me to understand what was the rationale or the experience for someone that this was kind of made the list as an inclusion point. And then mm-hmm. I, I think. Uh, as a kind of one of my parallel thoughts that are happening is the social and cultural issues. I think this is a really big one. So under that, they have homophobia, racism, real world religion, sexism, and specific cultural issues. And I think it's really cool that this list has this. And I think that these constructs have been a part of a a larger discussion and a larger kind of, you know, almost shift in framework in the kind of RPG community at large, because you know the history and and for a lot of players and particularly uh, women players who i've i've talked to kind of their experiences they've experienced a lot of pretty gross sexism um you know directly you know in you know as a part of playing so i think it's it's important and interesting too to kind of consider well how is kind of how does that play out in the universe is there racism or is there sexism in the universe mm-hmm. and is that appropriate do we even want to mess with that in kind of a fantasy setting that that's a real world 
form of oppression that harms a lot of people, is it really that fun to remind people of that in this form of entertainment and escapism? So I think that's a really interesting conversation. I like that we're having those conversations. I think it's really shifting the way that people are thinking about and playing these games as well as shifting and I truly hope the way with which maybe certain groups who have been excluded or oppressed, uh, you know, from that those communities maybe are feeling more comfortable or more welcome. And I, that's a, that's a slow battle. And even just, I was just interacting with someone on Twitter just before we started recording who I know who's a part of um, a streaming community and does some D and D sort of stuff. And she had a tweet basically just saying, like the the term murder hobo, which is used in the kind of tabletop communities. And she's like, yeah, maybe we want to drift away from that. That's kind of a gross loaded term. And there's some connotations with that that are a little weird. I wonder if we should think about something different. And she posted screenshots of like eight or more different tweets that she got that were, you know, very graphic and threatening and just really gross stuff. So, I mean, that stuff's still around both, you know, IRL at the table. And so that's kind of where I like, let's, it's still happening in real life. Why would we want to include that in the game too? Kind of a long thought. Yeah. I, 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 I like where your head's at, Brandon, because I think that that is, a really, really good point. Um, I think maybe something we don't do a lot as part of playing these tabletop games is sort of in- interrogating those existing systems within the game. Um, things like uh, love potions and mm-hmm. uh, char- charm person. Like that system is built directly mechanically into the game the ability to coerce somebody to do something they don't want to do like what does that say about having that system in the game that we're playing and and what does that mean to us and how does that make us feel as players and i think that having those kinds of conversations is really really important and and a big part of it, like we're we're coming at this conversation talking about Dungeons and Dragons most specifically, um, because that was what the original Facebook comment was about, and it's the game that we all have the most familiarity with. <laughs> but there are so so many other tabletop games that you can play uh-huh. that that don't you know include like racial identity as a main starting point for your character like D&D does that doesn't have like racial bonuses like D&D does um and doesn't have you know the ability to control other people without it being explicitly evil and and those kinds of things and so you know we're talking a lot about D&D but there are a lot of other games out there that that don't utilize those kinds of systems in their game or are explicitly about investigating those systems in games um i don't know any i don't have any names off of the top of my head i'd have to do some more research on that but um I know that there are games made by you know queer people and indigenous people that are specifically exploring you know anti-colonialism and, and queerness and all of that stuff and, and um, in tabletop role-playing games and that stuff is really cool and I think you know benefits more the idea of this um, 
pre-game worksheet that we're we're talking about than maybe Dungeons and Dragons does because Dungeons and Dragons is very much sort of focused on a specific thing. It's it's very Lord of the Rings and it's very much the, you know, the wish fulfillment power fantasy of being a hero and saving mm-hmm. the day, defeating evil. Um, and so it's like, you know, maybe that doesn't necessarily uh, brush up against too much like homophobia in your game. If you're just talking about, we got to kill a dragon, but <laughs> it could, it <laughs> maybe, could, maybe you should talk about that. Or maybe that, maybe that's, you want to have that kind of gameplay where you're, you know, you, I want to play a game where uh, our whole team is a bunch of people fighting homophobia. That's what I want the game to be is like, there are definitely tabletop games out there um, that, might be a better fit than specifically D and D for that kind of thing. But even utilizing D and D, there's always space for conversation and setting up the kind of game that you want. You just need to be open to having those kinds of conversations. Yeah, and I think even just doing some reflection, right? I think that's so important, just in in yeah. life in general. I'm even thinking. One of the campaign modules that I own is called Out of the Abyss, and I'm excited to run it someday. Um, and it's got a lot of cool stuff and a cool story. But I, as I've kind of, you know, gone on this journey over the last several years of trying to be more reflective and more aware of, you know, issues related to privilege and and, and things like that, the the journey starts out with basically the characters being captured by drow elves and enslaved. So right away you've got slavery and you have a whole race of, of dark skinned characters that are the super evilist. And it's like, whew, mm-hmm. we're off to a bumpy start, like already. And <laughs> yeah, right. And so it's like, all right. So I've got this campaign module that I think has a really cool story, but it's got some problematic elements like right out of the gate. So that's weird. And I, I don't feel good about that anymore. And so it, it's just, you know, being intentional and reflective and like, okay, how, how can I modify this story to exclude these problematic elements and still tell a story that's interesting and fun and engaging, inclusive and safe and respectful. I saw, you know, I, I follow a, a pretty good number of people in kind of the D&D sort of tabletop RPG community. And there's some DM slash players who are people of color who really just said, look, if you're doing slavery in your game, how about just don't? Like, it's not a fun thing. Like, how about just try not? And How about just no? Just don't do that. How about instead? And and that sat with me. And I was like, yeah, how about just not? Like, and Out of the Abyss is not, I think that the, as a, as a company, and there are, maybe there are parts of this I don't know, or, you know, a, a bigger piece of the puzzle. But I think as the company, uh, as far as the sort of D, core D&D kind of part of Wizards of the Coast goes, I think they generally have really moved to be more inclusive. I think the creators generally do a really nice job. And there's been a lot of, of good momentum. But Art of the Abyss is not that old of a campaign module. And so there are, you know, still some of those problematic elements. So I think that's where, as people who are running these games, there's a there's a responsibility, I think, to make sure that you're understanding where your players are at and what they're okay with. And thinking about the cultural slash societal considerations as a whole, even if you're at a table that maybe, well, you know, those issues wouldn't come up or be so problematic 
maybe it's still worth thinking about as a group. Is this something we actually want to role play slavery? I'm not so sure. So I don't know. It's it's a lot of thinking, I guess, and it's it's a mm-hmm. lot of just reflection and and trying to have an open mind and listen to the experiences and the thoughts of other people who have experiences or backgrounds or perspectives that, that you just don't. That was my rant. And Brandon and, rant. And rant. So it's it's interesting. There it's there's just all there's a lot that goes into it. It it all boils down to, I think, that those the trust and and there's a certain level of kind of intimacy and vulnerability that's involved in in this kind of, you know, entertainment. And in King as well. And I'm happy you've kind of brought those perspectives. Uh, and that's not a, a background that I had or not a connection that I would have made on my own. So I've appreciated hearing that. And I've sort of been chuckling to myself about how close DM and Dom are as well. Ever <laughs> since you said that. Right? It's like just so Well, so look, similar. you can be a you can be a dungeon master in either of those communities. Okay. That, you know what? That's true. Yeah, <laughs> that's good true. Point. That's a really good point. So, Very true. So I've been there's actually a fair amount of overlap in those communities. There are lots of people who um, incorporate uh, tabletop role-playing and, and kink together. There are lots of... Um, Anyone that storytells Vampire the Masquerade. Yeah, sure. Or um, Werewolf the Apocalypse. I mean, there, there are lots of... Uh, I mean, I haven't played any, unfortunately, but there, I know that there are um, role-playing games that are more about, like, sex and intimacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are games that are intended to be played with just, you know, two people and, and that kind of thing, um, like romance games and stuff like that, which I think is really cool. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of overlap there. And I think really what it comes down to is when you're engaging in play like this Mm -hmm. whether it's it's you know playing as a a dwarf barbarian with two really long sharp sticks or role-playing as a you know a sexy french maid like like you said there's a lot of intimacy involved there's a lot of trust required and um it's really valuable i think to take lessons learned from both of those communities and apply them to each other in positive ways of, you know, being considerate of continually uh, checking in on consent, going from the framework of opt-in consent rather than opt-out consent, which Mm -hmm. is what we usually interact with in our everyday lives is, right, if you expect if somebody doesn't want to do something, they say no or they leave, but in uh, kink it's it's opt-in people have to say yes not mm-hmm. n- no no response is a no yes means yes mm-hmm. <laughs> everything else means no and i think that that's something really useful you can use in D D too of yeah. being like you know we i want my players as a dungeon master i want my players to be opting into the game that's what i want because that's when they're having the most fun is when they want to be there and that's when i'm having the most fun when i'm making a place that they want to be right mm-hmm and so, um, yeah, I think there's, uh, I think there's a lot of overlap in those two communities, and I think there's um, a lot of power in in sort of taking that that stance of like, well, let's think about this from like the consent angle mm-hmm. rather than just like, oh, you know, like I love to kill dragon, it fun, yay, gold pieces, hooray, <laughs> treasure. I do love treasure. Like, I do love treasure, treasure, but you know what I love better? Consensual treasure. Mm. <laughs> it's the real treasure. Mr. Dragon, along. can I take your treasure? <laughs> Please. 
No, I like that the opt-in versus opt-out uh, mm-hmm. type of consent conversation you just had because that's essentially that checklist versus the X card. Yeah, right. is is opt-in versus opt-out, and there's room for both. You should always have the the card X card as like an option, but doing that work beforehand and kind of really getting to know your players and what they want and what they don't want uh, to make it a fun experience for everyone mm-hmm. is the important piece. Yeah. So Brandon, I don't think that you're in trouble for not doing a consent sheet before all of your games. Good. Um, Thank you. And I, and I, and I don't want anybody listening to feel shamed into using it. I think yeah. even just like checking it out and looking at it and then incorporating the ideas into just your pregame discussion when you're, you know, figuring out your schedule with your friends, be all like, hey, just, you know, I just want to check in. Is there, you know, anything like A, B, or C that you would have a problem with? I'm thinking of using it in the campaign. Are you comfortable with that? And mm-hmm. how easy that is. It doesn't have to be a whole worksheet. It just no. needs to be about wanting to build that that trust and communication within the, within the the group. I like that. I even I'm I'm still kind of reflecting on the sheet and kind of taking a peek at it. And I even like under the relationship section, there are like different tiers of comfort, right? So mm-hmm. it has like romance and sex, and for both of those, it ranges anywhere from like fade to black to explicit, to between player characters and non-player characters, to between player characters. And I like, I guess those are, that's maybe not necessarily hierarchical or tiers, but it hits a whole bunch of different kind of components of that for sure that like, it's not just like, well, are you cool with sex in the game? It's like, let's really dig into that a little bit. Where, where are the boundaries? What does that mean? Are you comfortable with having other players having sex with your character? Right. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah. like I've had a situation where it's like, you know, we're having a goofy party and my character gets drunk and it's like, I want to roll to flirt with the, you know, the dude who's playing the harp at the bar. Ha ha ha. This is silly. And mm-hmm. the NPC. But there's, you know, it's a totally different thing when it's like, I'm drunk and I'm going to start hitting on my, my teammate, my play, player my friend, friend who's right yeah. next to me and has to actually see my face as I make dirty jokes right. at them or whatever. It's like, that can be that can be fine, but you mm-hmm. should make sure that the other person right. consents to that For first. Sure. Can't just assume it. Can't I like just- at the begin at the top of the the checklist it's got a if this game were a movie its rating would be g pg pg 13 r and c 17 i kind of like that i as a way to as to kind of gauge where it's at in general uh, i do too yeah like i want to fight bad guys but i want it to be more like you know spider-man style where they just get wrapped up in webs and then they're they're fine everybody's fine nobody actually dies versus like i would like my dm to explicitly describe when i split this goblin in twain <laughs> that's what i was just thinking what's the rating of our of our D episode because a goblin was cleft in twain and I made that choice. <laughs> but it was a very easy, it was a very easy description. It wasn't like it the was. blood it is spurting <laughs> everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't think you once mentioned any entrails or scents. No. No, like Pierce sure. didn't <laughs> Pierce didn't cut the goblin in half and then take his entrails and wear it as a cape. Like right. <laughs> as far as we so, know. As far as we know, but that means that the campaign is more of a PG or PG-13 rather than right. an R or NC-17. Right. Or, yeah. or maybe G. 
for gum gum. <laughs> for gum gum. G for gum gum. He can say shit once. Yep. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, right. yeah. And there and there are different levels of things. Like I, since the last time we recorded, I've been listening to the Adventure Zone, and they Woo. curse and talk about a lot of things that. I'm like, oh my gosh, guys, dick and fart jokes. Uh, it's so funny though. Um, but I've been <laughs> reflect that with um, the D20 games that I keep bringing up that I've been listening to. They were very clear from the beginning. They wanted a family friendly show. There yeah. are some themes that like kids, like when you go to a PG or PG 13 movie and like the pair, there, there are things that kids won't get that the parents get, but like it, there's no cursing it's all fun and lighthearted. Like it's very, it's very different. But they're both really cool podcasts. So it's interesting. I think some of the, a lot of, I think, tell me if I'm wrong, but I think the three of us are generally at a consensus that like two thumbs up for this. This is a good thing. Yeah, it doesn't hurt to you know have these discussions. It it's really only can be a positive. For the sake of conversation, some of the commentary that I've seen, and I alluded to this at the beginning, was that some people maybe weren't as fond of this or, you know, and some of the pushback is, you know, this is PC gone wild and why why do we have to, this is fantasy, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. You don't have to dig far onto Twitter or YouTube comments to find the sort of commentary I'm talking about. Yeah. And and, and in the context of the Facebook post, um, I know a lot of the the people were referring to it specifically within a therapeutic context, which is, I feel, um, a very different uh, conversation to have. It is a pretty different conversation. I mean, um, my, my biggest point would be if you're going to use role-playing in, in th- therapy as a therapeutic tool, I think that there are better tools than, than D&D specifically. Mm. Um, and, and if you're talking about like trauma specifically, I think perhaps instead of utilizing uh, an existing role-playing game, there might be some benefit of like creating a role-playing game as the the therapeutic tool. Um, Mainly my idea behind that would be one, you wouldn't have to worry about, you know, (laughs) accidentally hitting on triggers because the person themselves would be in the creation process, but it also gives them a lot of empowerment to um, play in a space that they've created for themselves. Um, See, I would think D and D, depending on the person, like it's their oh, interests, and yeah, like, yeah. and totally. if they want to play D and D, bring in the D and D because it separates them a little bit because it's fantasy rather than I've seen. I think I listened to an episode of Rolling for Change about a uh, role-playing game that is you're in the role of someone trying to help a child, like a social worker or a therapist or a first responder. And that can get really intense because you're these people in the real world. <laughs> um, this is a, it's a fantasy world and you can work through some things. And therapeutically, maybe you use the check sheet to like look at things you're the therapist. You should be knowing what are some triggers and you're there to safely work through those things and also back off when it gets to be too much, like having the the scaling of anxiety, like, okay, where's your anxiety at now? Where's it? It's like an exposure in a different 
way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, th- I think in the case of like therapy, ideally you would already have a therapeutic relationship with a person before you, start before you even get to the point where you're all like, hey, you want to play a role playing game? It's like, wait, what? I just, I just met you. Exactly. So hopefully you would have already filled out all sorts of various worksheets that would um, help you understand the person a lot better. Um, But yeah, I agree. It's like, if that's something that, you know, a patient is like, hey, I think I want to try, you know, I'm feeling really powerless. I would like to, you know, do like a role play where I get to be super duper fucking powerful. Mm -hmm. I think that there's a ton of benefit into exploring that kind of stuff and doing doing the sort of worksheets before because it's, you know, saying I want to feel powerful. Well, there's a lot of different kinds of power. What kind of power do you want to feel? Do you want to, you know, ri- rip a dragon in half with your bare hands? We'll make that happen. Do you want to, uh, you know, collapse uh, a cult that's stealing children and forcing them into sex slavery? Like, we can do that. Let's build it in a way that'll be, you know, useful for you and that kind of stuff. I, I, I think role play is, is such a wonderful tool, especially you know, when you're talking about trauma. Um, but it is something that is, it's so personal. I don't think mm-hmm. that just like, you know, I don't think bringing dragons of ice spire to mm. your therapy session is necessarily going to be that helpful. <laughs> it could. Yeah. I-, I can imagine ways that it would totally be useful, but I think that there are better systems in place that would be more on point to whatever you're trying to achieve therapeutically. It's true. There are companies, well, nonprofits and companies right now doing mm-hmm. just that, though. Yeah. And with D&D specifically. Another part of this that I think is important to think about with therapy is that in a therapeutic context, before you moved into exposing to some someone to something that was anxiety provoking for them, you would start by teaching them and practicing skills to manage and cope with that trauma or stressor. Mm-hmm. And there's also an informed consent process that goes along with therapy and specific types of treatment as well. So it's, mm-hmm. I, I think the idea that you, that we would just be rushing in, you know, f- first session. Hi, welcome, welcome to therapy. I'm, I'm Dr. Saxon and we're going <laughs> to play your a DM. game right now. I'm your DM and yeah. It's so nice to meet you. What's your name? No, no, no. Your character name. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not interested <laughs> in your earthly name. Um, so I think there, that the experience, I think trying to, make parallel the experience of the individual from the BBC article who showed up to a table and was exposed to uh, an incident of gang rape that was triggering to her because of a traumatic event and a psychotherapeutic experience. I I really, I don't, I think you're talking apples and oranges in a lot of way, because if done correctly, that should be a totally different, totally safe experience. Um, So I'm not sure that there's that much to be gained from comparing the two, really. And maybe that's just me. Yeah, I think I I agree. It's like it really is apples and oranges. Mm -hmm. Like maybe there's still round fruit. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like like most things, uh, putting them in the context of therapy sort of changes it. Mm-hmm. Take your Definitely. nuance and get out of here. <laughs> yeah. You don't want nuance takes in here. <laughs> hot takes only. Hot takes <laughs> and hot takes, takes and headlines. That's the new That's name of the, the show. That's the new name of the pod. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon, <laughs> we're the best. Uh, uh, now we're the now same we're like, people. <laughs> oh, this is so special. Um, good conversation, team. I like this. I think we covered a lot of ground. 
And I guess what it boils down to really is in any of these interactions, in any context, whether it's therapeutic with friends, with strangers, there is a level of vulnerability and respect and trust and intimacy that's required. And really, it's there's just nothing uh, nothing to lose and so much to gain by being thoughtful and reflective and intentional about the way that we approach issues and the way that we create a respectful, inclusive, comfortable environment for people to engage in these experiences. That's my closing thought. It's a great wrap up. I couldn't have done it better. Um, I cannot wait to hear what the community has to say about this. Um, I'm interested if uh, any of our listeners are DMs, if you've ever utilized a worksheet like this or had a pregame conversation about, you know, um, what kind of boundaries your players might have. I'd love to hear about that. Uh, Or if, you know, you've never done anything like this before and it's uh, I want to hear about that, too. All right. Well, as always, folks, thanks so much for listening and hope that you got something out of this. Um, I'm also interested. I'd love to hear your takes on this background experiences, thoughts, um, maybe new ideas going forward. You can find us as always over on Twitter is a good place to find all of our individual accounts. Um, I wait, I actually do have them memorized. You can find us at at Brandon underscore Saxton at chicken dinosaur and at geek therapist right is that right mm-hmm. all, yeah. all all three of us i won't tell you which person is associated with each account that's a bit of a mystery <laughs> it's a so surprise you just have to find us one of them is a little bit obvious but maybe not the others uh you can check us out on the discord i'm brandon underscore Saxon. <laughs> of course naturally <laughs> Um, you can find us on the Discord, you can find us on the Geek Therapy Forum, and you can find us on the Facebook community page. We're active and involved and engaged in all of those places. Come talk to us, tell us your thoughts, uh, and, and just interact with us. And watch our, we also have a really awesome uh, Twitch team that streams video games on Twitch, and that's another place to have these really interesting, engaging conversations about mental health. So, in the meantime, uh, wishing you all good mental health. Uh, enjoy whatever upcoming D&D or tabletop RPG or kink experience that you have scheduled. And we'll be back again next week. Remember to geek out, do good. This episode is brought to you in part by our Patreon supporters. We'd like to say a very special thank you to our Patreon producers this month. Ben, Booney, Jamila, John, Kat, Lydia, Mark. And to our anonymous producers, thank you too. To learn more about how to support Geek Therapy and gain access to exclusive content, visit patreon.com slash geektherapy.